Welcome to Job Tales, the show where we find out about different professions from the people who know. Each week I speak to a new guest with a fascinating job. I talk to graphic artists, veterinarians, biologists, VFX supervisors, you name it. I'm Laura Leoncini and today my guest is Mokhtar Buslimi, an industrial engineer who works as a project manager at a watchmaking company on the Jura Mountains in Switzerland. A hard worker, a geek and a communicator. This is how I would describe Mokhtar. Listen to today's episode if you want to know actual insights about project management and how technology might affect this job in the future. Mokhtar, what a nice opportunity to interview you. Thank you very much. It was very spontaneous. Thank you for saying yes so quickly. <laughs> Can you tell me in a nutshell what you do professionally? Well, I'll, I'll begin with thanking you for the opportunity, actually. This was so spontaneous. I'm not prepared, so it's going to be <laughs> absolutely 100% me. So that, awesome. that's a good thing. Hello to the audience. I'll present myself. My name is Mokhtar Buslimi. I've studied engineering, uh, industrial engineering in uh, Tunisia, in SUS in 2010 till 2012 or 13. And then I became an industrial engineer in 2012. I've been working since 2010 on smaller projects. And then little by little, I've became a uh, project manager and project director in uh, software engineering. So from the industrial engineer, you then switched to software or were you studying software also during your studies? Yeah, actually it was like 90% industrial in software engineering, like industrial, because uh, my diploma was destined to work, like I was destined to work in manufacturing. I have studied things like Grafset, which is something you program big machinery with. And I've studied also Réseau uh, Petri uh, Network, which is used also to program big machinery for manufacturers. But uh, we had like this little section in our um, university where you can study like a 100% software development, like on Java or .NET software development. And I went to those clubs. The anecdote I can mm -hmm. tell you is that I've been like uh, through a uh, hard period of my life at that moment, which led me to stay at home and develop softwares all the time. <laughs> so I've become really good at it. And, <laughs> and then I've chosen to continue on that path and be a software developer. So that's how I became a software industrial engineer. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's interesting. So you do you said you did two years of study or four years of studies in it's, university? It's actually uh, two years, which we called in French école préparatoire. Ah, préparatoire. So it was the hardest two years of my life. It yeah. was like 10 years. And then after those two years, you go to the university, the engineering university, where, where, where I've spent three years okay. studying. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's actually from 2002 nine to 2012 yeah okay. so been specific yeah you've been in the job market for about 10 years i've been working now for 13 or 14 years actually okay. i started working before i got my diploma mm. after I got, i got my diploma in 2012 so it's been 13 years officially after getting my diploma yeah 
I'm interested now to know what kind of software were you developing during those years? Yeah, actually, I've begun developing some little softwares at the university. They told us once to develop a software that crypts messages. Like you send a message, you crypt it, and you decrypt it on the same interface, user interface. So the geek that I was... I've developed two separate softwares and installed them in two separate PCs okay. <laughs> and connected the two PCs over Wi-Fi and I was sending messages like, what's up today? Ah, yeah, amazing. the teacher was mind blown. She thought I uh, I, I like uh, stole it from somewhere. Yeah. And yeah, and it was uh, 100% mine. So that was the first like softwares I was developing in the beginning. It was on Java because it Java. was open source. Mm-hmm. The other ones were C++, C for um, embedded systems, like in cars and stuff. The other ones were called uh, VHDL, which is another kind of graph set, but really like more developed, more sophisticated for machinery also, yeah. How long does it take to learn this software, to use it, you know? To learn it and use it on a small software, like develop for say a piano on java it could take you from one day to three days okay yeah it's not that hard maybe not for you <laughs> <laughs> maybe because uh yeah because of my engineering like studies okay, but yeah but somebody who doesn't know anything about software development who has mm. like a logical like thought process can do it in a week i guess Oh, yeah, it's not hard because in, in our field right now, there's so many people because it's a field where it's so dynamic. There are so many job offers. People do um, a, like a training for three months and they join our teams from different backgrounds. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to say the worst, but the <laughs> most extreme example was someone who worked with a friend of mine who was a uh, boucher in, in French. Like a butcher? Butcher, yeah, butcher. And he became a yeah. software developer, yeah. Wow, awesome. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. is different, but diverse background, yeah. for sure. It's, it was crazy, yeah. The guy could develop software, actually, but he, they made him leave, not because he couldn't develop softwares, but he the attitude was not for uh, it. Okay, yeah. okay. Because that's that's another point that I'd yeah. like to I'd like to discuss. You know, what's the right attitude? When you were saying like I'm a geek or nerds, is yeah. it true? Like, is there is it only a myth? But like software developers yeah. are are actually nerds and they're always in front of the computer and asocial and stuff. <laughs> actually, it's depends on the person, but I say it's fifty fifty. For me, for example, it's actually began in high school, actually. I was a geek in high school. I was studying, always having the best grades. But I always thought the cool people were the people who had, like, medium grades. So I dropped, like, my level. And I <laughs> started to go out a lot and, and stuff. And it, it, it continued to university and work right now. I like to dress good. I like to talk good, be a good talker in like meetings and stuff. And I think the geek part stays in you, but you can hide it somewhere else, somewhat. Because mm-hmm. uh, in engineering, like 50% of our work is languages and communicating. Because if you can develop the best software in the world, if you can't sell it, it's not going to work. Yeah. The same goes to your job. Uh, job interviews, you have to sell yourself. So you have to be, uh, first of all, presentable, like 
good outfit. You talk really well. You uh, manage the pressure because in job interviews, they put pressure on you, especially mm -hmm. if it's two or three people. If you're a geek, you can get a job, but you're going to be always stay in your corner, develop your stuff, not like you won't be able to get or grab the bigger opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, you have to have both kinds of personalities. You got to be geek when you should be. You got to like if your project needs you to work on your in a little corner, not talk to anybody for weeks, that's how it should be. Then you should be able to do it. If you're you, they put you on another project where you have to work with a team and express yourself good, be able to communicate well, explain what you're doing and understand what others are doing too mm. in order to work with it in a team, be coherent with, it, with your team. I think communication and soft skills too is very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Talking about project, which is, was the reason why I was interested in interviewing you, is that you're a project manager and you've been project director. I hear a lot of project manager jobs and I also hear there's also, you know, studies on becoming a project manager and having specific skill sets to do that. Can you tell me what are the skill sets on yeah. your job? There are two types or two paths, let's say, to become a project manager. The first one is to have trainings, uh, go to university to become a project manager, have the right like certifications, the right trainings. Well, we're not going to talk about that today. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're going to talk way. about go my to... path. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I had the... Um, like the chance to work with a company called SunGuard at the time, which was, was bought in 2016 or 15 by uh, uh, FIS, Fidelity Investment Services mm -hmm. in the United States. Yeah, And in this company, I've joined the team as a quality assurance engineer after being a software developer. So this time I was in charge of uh, maintaining the quality and testing the quality of um, an ERP. Uh, used by SunGuard and all its uh, clients all over the world. And uh, after three months, all the senior engineers left. Mm. Yeah, I was the senior junior engineer. <laughs> <laughs> so after a while, I was working in Tunisia, by the way. In Tunisia, in the engineering schools or universities, uh, the last year, do six months of studying normal and then six months of final, which we call final project. Mm -hmm. So they bought two student engineers and at the time. Like uh, we were one of the first companies to work on the uh, test automation, software testing, like uh, switch from manual testing to automated testing. Mm -hmm. So we were doing all kinds of proof of concepts. So they brought two engineers, like student engineers, to work on these projects. And unfortunately, after one month of them joining the team, our manager left. They had nobody else to like work with them. So the um, director told me, asked me if I can work with them. So I said, yeah, why not? And uh, we basically had the same age. <laughs> I was 24. They were 24. They were scared to work with me. And I told them, guys, we have the same age. So don't worry. There's <laughs> no like vertical relationship. We can work together. You can ask me for a drink afterwards. I'll go with you. So no Easy. worries. Yeah. So the com communication went really well because of that. 
I found myself giving them tasks every day, seeing them every day. We worked with Scrum methodology, so I've seen them every day. If they have anything that blocks their uh, progress, if they need anything from me, any access on any software, if they need training on anything. So I've provided all that. Mm -hmm. And I've provided a little guidance about the technical stuff since I was working on technical projects for two years or, uh, or so. I made the project planning, resource management, uh, and um, operational management. If you ask me at the time to name these things, I wouldn't be able to, but mm -hmm. I was doing I them, right? You yeah, and that. I learned them on the field. Yeah. And I had my managers too. I went back to my managers from time to time, ask about things they couldn't do with them, right? They asked me some questions. You couldn't have the respond like right away so i asked my managers they helped me too and uh when their teachers or uh, professors came to the company to to see uh, if they're doing the, the work they're supposed to be doing and how they're being supervised and stuff it was me the director and the two students my directors presented everybody and said this is Mokhtar. he's the project manager mm -hmm. At the time, I didn't even know I was a project manager, right? So it's <laughs> funny. I was really uh, happy for it. And then um, I've said, well, I'm a project manager now. <laughs> I guess that's well, what's You gonna... basically fell into it. Yeah. And... I said, basically, I guess that's what I'm going to do from now on. And, and so between yeah, the job you used yeah. to have before and then being a project manager, what's the main difference? What do you need to manage? Project manager should be... I think you manage the operational side of things. Like every day you see your engineers, you see your staff, and you see, you see if they're progressing as you told them to. That's the basic, like the most basic job of project managers, the operational side of so management. There, there's goals and then they need to abide by those goals exactly. and then like show the, results. The management comes like the most basic job for a project manager. And later maybe we'll talk about the most like top of the shelf project management. But the most basic one is was maybe my example. They came with a project, with a planning for the project. They said in June we should have things running, tests running. So this is what, what we're going to do, conception phase, or um, it's going to take design phase. It's going to take two months, two months for implementation, two months, one month for testing, and one month for production. Mm -hmm. And when I came along, the design was already done, and I had already had a plan, the planning. The budget, I didn't take care of the budget because we had two students that were paid like unfortunately peanuts but mm -hmm. the budget was take, uh, taken care of by mm -hmm. the management my only role was to help them lead them uh, in technical aspect of things to choose the right solutions right tools and then to see their progress every day okay and ask them three simple questions what did you do yesterday what what are you going to do today and if you have any blockers for you to progress in your work to do your work okay and i've made sure those three things progressed as the planning suggested mm. and that's the most basic thing a project manager can do then you can like take care of the um, qualification phase this is the implementation then the qualification phase where we can test our projects like our prototypes 
And then the deployment phase and production. When everything is tested, is done, and the quality we're looking for is, is reached, we go to the uh, production. And that's what I did. That's the most basic project management. Okay. Yeah. And so now in order to, let's say, as a project manager, you basically don't do the project. Like you manage those who are going to be implementing or you're also involved into Actually, there those. are two types of project management. Since the, there is the uh, authoritarian project manager, this is the old school. Like I have the project manager hat. I don't do development. I don't do testing. I tell you what to do. You do it. And we see each other every week or so mm -hmm. to see the progress, right? And there is the other school. Project manager for me should needs to be a leader, right? So you need to show your engineers that you'll never ask them to do something that you were not willing to do in the first place, mm -hmm. right? So when my uh, engineers, for example, ask me, I don't like this part, I want to work on another part, or this is hard. So I switch directly, like I've been like in the meetings with directors talking about visions in 10 years and two hours later developing code for my engineers when they tell me they can't do it. So I do it for them. Mm -hmm. And then I tell them, listen, this is not hard to do. What is standing between you and what you want to do is a little training. Go home, see this on the internet. I'll even give you time, work time. See it, like train yourself on the internet. Come back, you'll be able to do it. I was able to do it, you can do it. Mm -hmm. That's how I manage my teams. It takes me lots of effort and time more than it's supposed to be for my work, but I do it to show the example. Mm -hmm. And once you show them the example, I can't remember not even once like that this issue has, that I've seen it twice with the same engineer. Mm -hmm. Every time I show some, somebody this, they never come back with the same question or ask me for the mm -hmm. same. They always go for the self-train, do their things, right? And once you're specialized, like say in software engineering and you're project manager, is it easy then to switch to other kinds of project management that are not in software, for example? I've worked for Tesla, mm -hmm. uh, Parrot, the French company with whom I've worked for Tesla, automotive company. Then I've worked with SunGuard, which is a uh, financial company. And I worked in insurance and then car company again. And today? Uh, Water company. A water All, company. Okay. Also. Yeah. Uh, insurance. And then now today it's uh, a watches company. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, so it's so totally different. Yeah, yeah. It's completely different. As long as you have the basics, yeah. that's sad. Uh, the structure also. Yeah, exactly. Too. If you have the basics, you can manage any project you want. What would you say are your top skills that you say, okay, I'm good at this because I have this, this and that? Okay. I think my biggest advantage that I'm flexible. I'm somebody that doesn't hate, or let's say, I'm not afraid of doing things that I don't know. And I'm really flexible about that. When, when my managers ask me to work on a project, let's say, uh, sending a message every morning to a single customer, so many other project managers say, no, that's not for me. It's a little thing. I don't like it. I've never worked on it. I'm not going to take it. Mm -hmm. Me? Hell yeah. <laughs> I'll do it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's so flexibility. Why, number exactly. One. My ex-managers 
in Swiss Life. I worked with Swiss Life for th- four years. They called me the Joker. <laughs> and the Joker in a, a cards game, you can put it whatever you want. Yeah. Right? So uh, they gave me that nickname because I've worked on every project they have. While other engineers actually left the company or a project manager left the company because they were asked to do projects they didn't want to do. And flexibility for a project manager is the key because sometimes the company needs you. For example, for instance, I was working with Groupama in France, an insurance company. It had this HR, new software. They were like changing every HR software. They had hired the project manager who was like, least I can say the project was not working. Engineers like used to come to work at 11 o'clock, 12, go to lunch, get back and go home by three, right? He was not doing any, any operational, like uh, supervising any managerial, like, mm-hmm. uh, let's say not supervising, but giving them purpose to the engineers, right? And the company called me, they said, this, and this is not working. We need you to work on this like a firefighter, right? <laughs> so being flexible, you can say, yes, I'll do it. Not being flexible, saying, no, this is already a mess. I did not work on these types of projects. I prefer to leave it to somebody else. Okay. So I said, yes, yeah. absolutely. And um, I've learned so many things about it, right? You learn so many things in process, yeah. how to handle pressure how to manage a project that's in failure actually and i think flexibility is my biggest uh, like tool mm-hmm. yeah other ones would be the technical aspect because you gain so much respect when your engineers know that you can do the things they are doing and uh, it helps you in communicating with them to be on the same page always. So when they say, listen, I've implemented this, it's not working, this web service is not working. And I can like engage in the community, in the discussion. I say, oh yeah, this web service uses this technology. Maybe you can use another one that uses that technology, which is more secure, for example. And they're hearing, oh yeah, that's, that's a good idea actually, uh, we'll see. Even if, if it doesn't mm-hmm. work. But then you know, and yeah, you're giving yeah. them hints because you know as well you're on the same page and then they get more respect for you because you know know. what you're talking about too right sometimes with other project managers where they don't know anything they're not receptive afterwards especially like the people we're we're talking about nerds or geeks but it's not in a bad way but if somebody is so technical he won't listen to you and he won't follow you you will ask whatever you can ask whatever you want. He, he's going to do the opposite, mm-hmm. right? I have a question about the future because you said, you know, in 10 years from now and, and skills and technology, how does technology affect your job? You know, I could imagine, but, you know, I would like you to tell me. Oh, I'm going to go back to 2015 with this one. I was in Sungard and at the time they did like meetings with all of us. The CEO was there, actually. He was the one presenting it. He said, listen, guys, we have developers, we have testers, we have integrators, those that bring the code together. We have a new tool that can do like 50% of that work. It's called Jenkins, and it does continuous integration, which you put code in it, it builds, it does the automatic testing, 
and it puts in production. And he said, but don't worry, guys. We're going to keep you because you're going to do other jobs. Well, it was not true. Mm -hmm. They have fired like 50% of the engineers, oh, wow. engineering stuff, yeah. But I think it's going to be the same thing with AI, for example. But um, we're not jobless right now. I'm talking about the example of my company. Everybody have found another job, which is human ingenuity, right? Human ingenuity creates so many things, creates jobs. So AI is not, it's going to replace some people, in a way. Yeah. right? But it's going to create more jobs afterwards. Mm -hmm. And the people who are developing, for example, right now, or doing like the phone service, AI is going to create more jobs for them. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be more opportunities in the future. It's going to be like a small, let's say, two, three, four years of transition phase. And then once everything is stabilized with AI, new jobs are going to be created. So people might be afraid of losing their jobs. They're going to lose jobs, but they're going to head into new jobs, new maybe new lucrative jobs, more lucrative. Maybe thanks to AI. Thanks to mm -hmm. AI, exactly. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm I'm really optimistic about it. Same as the internet before, right? Awesome. So yeah. Thank you, Mokhtar, for your candid story. I could feel your passion, dedication and confidence. You have listened to another episode of Job Tales. Keep listening to my podcast. And if you want to be my next guest, write me at jobtalespodcast at gmail.com. Remember, it's T-A-L-E-S.